This edition of What's Up With That with Aaron Breen is brought to you by Aging and Awesome, of course, a television production with a focus on informing, enlightening, and inspiring us all about aging in a graceful and informed manner. Let's face it, we are all aging. (laughs) And Aging and Awesome takes a look at the important information we all need and the entertaining bits as well. In our audience, it is growing. You can now watch live in Reno and Las Vegas, and really anywhere, anytime, through Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. That's Aging and Awesome, an ANA Media Group production. My name is Aaron Breen. You may remember me from television in the 80s and the 90s. This is the prime edition of KOLO Eyewitness News. And again in the aughts. Vice President Dick Cheney visits the biggest little city, those stories and more on this Tuesday, August 29th, 2006. From my 20 years of columns for Gannett. From Aaron's Isle, a podcast all about Ireland. Or from Aging and Awesome. Season 5 of award-winning Aging and Awesome is a production of the Nevada Senior Care Foundation, the ANA Media Group. Well, the point is, I've been at this a long time. (laughs) I'm kind of addicted to telling stories, and I'm at it again. This endeavor is to satisfy my ongoing, and my kids just might say annoying, curiosity. I may not be an official reporter in a newsroom anymore, but I gotta admit, I still have a few questions. Like, how do we balance wildlife with growth? I mean, the bears were there first, and now Californians are taking over Tahoe. What's up with that? What's up with that? What is up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? As with all our problems for, what, nearly a year? This one, too, all started with COVID. But it was a financial sidebar to COVID-19 that actually launched the Tahoe takeover. You see, when everyone found out that they could work from home, they started thinking about changing the view outside their windows as they worked. And that led an exodus of city folk and Californians moving to Tahoe. You can't argue with it. It is a cheaper lifestyle than, say, the Bay Area. And working from home was a perfect excuse to get out of the city and live in nature instead. But a lot of them are unaware of what it takes to live here, um, living amongst wildlife. Um, You know, they're afraid they're going to get rabies. They're afraid they're going to catch diseases. They're not used to living with wildlife. That's Denise Upton of Lake Tahoe Wildlife Care. It's a nonprofit that nurses injured wildlife back to health and releases the animals back into the wild. Oh man, they got everything here. They got chipmunks and ducks, foxes, geese. They've got eagles. Oh, and a lot of bears. And they saw a huge increase in the number of injured animals as COVID-19 hit and the city slickers moved in. 
We get animals with secondary poisoning. We have people put snap traps out around the tires of their car so the mice won't get in. Well, not just mice get in snap traps, it's chipmunks and it's birds and it's the sticky traps. We've had bats, hummingbirds, snakes, all sorts of animals stuck on these traps that we can't get them off of. We got a report of a lady walking around with a BB gun because she was afraid she was going to catch a disease from a, a chipmunk, so she was just shooting him on sight. So, say you have a persistent raccoon living in your crawl space. <laughs> well, it's illegal to trap him and move him to another area. And 70% of those who are moved illegally die. So, that's not the answer. Killing everything is not the solution. It's learning how to coexist. So you need to fix the problem, fix the crawl space they're getting under. We can give you the tools to work with to teach you how to do this kind of stuff. The biggest animals that are no doubt the biggest problem is bears. And you may be adding to the bear problem with your trash. You see, they are masters at getting into that trash. Especially if you just leave it lying around. And that garbage gives their bodies a false sense of security for procreation. Bears have a special biology. They get pregnant early on in the spring, but it's a delayed implantation. The egg does not implant until they go into hibernation in the fall. Before they go into that deep sleep, uh, their little brain goes, am I fat enough to support cubs? If they're too thin, they won't have cubs that year. They, they know they aren't fat enough to support them. If they have a good food source, like garbage, their brain says, there's a great food source out there, so I'm going to have two and three cubs. So by not securing our garbage, it gives them a false sense of a good food source, and they have multiple cubs. That's right. Denise says the birds of multiples has gone way up. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is cute, <laughs> but not very responsible. Garbage makes more bears. There are an estimated 300 to 500 black bears in the Tahoe Basin. You really can't go very far without running into one. Which brings me to the other thing that people do that's adding to the problem. Social media is killing our wildlife because everybody wants the shot. A few years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with Taylor Creek, we have the kokanee salmon run. It got so bad, people were jumping in the river to get in front of the bears to get selfies with the bears. I can tell you from, from experience, a 25-pound cub, it takes six of us to hold them down. They are so extremely strong and can hurt you in an instant. They don't want to, but if you get between them and a salmon, they could take a swipe at you. She said there are so many incidents of bears breaking into cars and trying to get into screen doors, and instead of calling for help or shooing them away, they video it all for social media. So if you've got a bear trying to pull your screen off and get in your house, you don't just stand there and videotape it. You go after that bear. You're doing a disservice to our wildlife by letting them do it so you can get the shot. You yell at them, you throw stuff at them, you use an air horn, whatever you got to get them out of there and teach them. They have to be, especially our two-year-olds that are dispersed, our males, they're pushing the envelope. They're trying to see what they can get away with. And we have to, it's our job to teach them that no, you cannot, this is my property. You cannot cross this line and not have consequences. 99% of them, you clap your hands, yell at them, throw a bucket at them and they run up a tree. They aren't hanging around. Denise has lived in Tahoe for more than 20 years. She's got advice for everyone. It's not unfriendly, 
but it is direct. If you're uncomfortable living in an area like this and you think you're going to catch a lot of diseases, you probably shouldn't live here. <laughs> I told you Denise was direct. And she's serious about the wildlife in Tahoe. And you know what? We are serious about our sponsors, like Joe Stella Coffee in Midtown. Locally owned, offering coffee that's brewed to taste just as you order it. Joe Stella Coffee celebrates local artists. Just take a look at the walls when you enter the place. They offer pastries, sandwiches, and some of the best coffee in the biggest little city in the world. It's on the corner of St. Lawrence and South Virginia Street. It's that building with the corner doorway. Joe Stella is invested in the community and in the quality of their fare. That's Joe Stella Coffee in Midtown, Reno. Tell them Aaron sent you. The Tahoe takeover is evident in another way these days. There's yet another endangered species, the local workforce, which is being priced out of buying homes and edged out of renting them. I gathered up some experts to talk about that in a roundtable discussion on Zoom. So excuse any audio imperfections. I want to introduce everybody that's here. Emily Setzer, you're from Placer County with the Community Development Resource Agency, right? Yes. Hi, I'm Emily Setzer. I'm from Placer County. I work in the Tahoe City office. George Cazé, you're a homeowner up in Truckee. You've been up there for years now, right? Well, we've actually been in Truckee for five years, but we lived in Big Bear Lake for 35 years. So still another mountain town that we lived in was in, that's impacted by tourism. Karen Fink, you're with the TRPA, with the, uh, the manager of the housing program? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sabrina Balici, you're with uh, Remax Realty up in North Lake Tahoe, right? Yes. So I, um, I've i been in Incline for 10 years. I was president of our board of realtors for here in Incline Village in Crystal Bay. I've been on our state board working with the legislative committees, all things having to do with housing. Sabrina first set the scene about how the Tahoe takeover has come to be. You know, the Bay Area really treats Tahoe like it's in their backyard. And so there's a lot of those feeder communities, as we like to call them, that they've always kind of had a tie to Tahoe. And what the pandemic has done this past year is, you know, people can work remotely from anywhere. And so people said, well, I've always wanted to have a place there. I might as well go live there while I can. Which has fueled hundreds of sales over this past year. You know, it's not that we don't have housing here. It, the housing is not available. And that shortage of houses has meant skyrocketing prices. In North Tahoe, Emily Setzer, Placer County. The median home price of homes sold in 2020 was 850000 It's also up about 100000 from last year. So, you know, I... I it, it's difficult right now. Because? Um, you know, either they're coming from a place like San Jose where you get a thousand square foot shoebox for 1.8 million and here they can get, you know, a nice big house. Sabrina, do you see a lot of panic buying going on because of the inventory is so low? So in 2020, I did see some quote unquote panic buying. I'm seeing people pay way over uh, what a property is comping at, you know, the last sale in the neighborhood will be $100,000 less and it'll be, you know, less of a house, but people will pay that just because they want to be here so bad. Now I'm starting the last, I'd say two months, I'm starting to see people pull back because the economic data that's been coming out with jobless claims and things like that, and we're still not sure what's going to happen. Almost 90% of our existing housing in East Placer, Emily Setzer, Placer County, is not owner-occupied which means a lot of houses are sitting empty as their owners just aren't there or they're being used mainly as Airbnb rentals. And that just doesn't leave much for those who actually need to live there at the lake to buy or to rent. 
We have so many of our workers who are renting. George, you told me a story about somebody that, that couldn't afford to live up there that was working. Yeah, one of my uh, co-workers that I work with, with one of the ski areas, uh, he's been, it's been his year-round job for years, and he's lived in a rented home in Tahoe City for years and years. And with the increase of demand and value of homes, his landlord said, hey, it's a good time for them to sell. Now, this gentleman's in his early 50s. He's, he had 45 days to move out of the house. That was back in early October, right before winter, and he just found something recently. So he basically lived in the back of his car in a Walmart parking lot in Carson City for all those months with his dogs, trying to find someplace to live. But unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of people who rented who are now removed from their homes and they can't find somewhere else to live. I've been in that situation too, George, where my landlord decided to sell the house and have to suddenly find something else. And it's really difficult. Yeah, it's really hard right now. Um, we've done a number of studies in the Truckee, uh, North Tahoe area, and found that about half of our workforce commutes here from outside of the area. So every month I hear of somebody else who is, you know, a manager of a local agency or some um, some local worker who has moved down towards Reno or Carson. Sorry, go ahead, Sabrina. I was just going to say, you know, a lot of people try to say, okay, well, it's a lot of the service industry workers, but I have my very best friends that you know, work at Tahoe Forest Hospital and she's a surgical nurse and her husband's a firefighter and they can't afford to live here either. You know, it's, it's not just people in the restaurants or at the ski resorts. It's all of our essential workers as well. When we say workforce, a lot of times people only think of the, those who are working at the ski resorts, like Sabrina said, but we really have the people who work in government and the utility districts and um, our roads crews and the people who work at our hospitals and teachers, like they all comprise our workforce. When, when does it become our responsibility to provide housing for the workforce? <clears throat> Is it the taxpayer's responsibility, because that's what's funding the government, or do you just let the ebb and flows go and see what happens? I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation, that's for sure. Well, I did read earlier today about um, a place called Sugar Pine Village that they're building, trying to come up with affording affordable housing. You know, that Sugar Pine Village project is a really interesting project because it um, really showed it really showed how multiple agencies could come together and use the different incentives that they have to offer to make uh, this affordable housing project feasible. That's Karen so Fink that with the TRPA. Donated public lands um, donated by the California. Tahoe Conservancy. So that really took out a huge cost because land is a huge cost um, for housing. So there's several instances around the lake. There's a case in Placer County too, where Placer County is actually donating or providing land at a very low cost to a builder who is looking to build affordable housing. So that's an example of kind of like George was saying of taxpayers and public entities coming together to get a project on the ground. We're definitely seeing more of that happen. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about these second homes. You know, Tahoe is not the only place. A lot of regions around the country are really dealing with zoning codes that really just encourage these large homes. 20 or, you know, 30 years ago, that made sense because these were higher intensity uses. But I think now that people are seeing these like market rate condos and even homes in their neighborhood being used as hotels are just having a lot of people come in, in and out of them or being used for bachelor parties and they don't get any notice that their house is going to be used like that. So I think kind of the attitude may be shifting a little bit where people are 
you know, maybe a little more understanding of we need workforce housing. These are going to be local residents that are living next to us. And if it's zoned, you know, for multifamily, then I know when I buy this property next to this larger, you know, parcel that there could be workforce housing going in there. It does seem like people are starting to just kind of like be a little frustrated with how even, you know, all the, all the market rate homes in the area are getting used. That's what TRPA is looking at, you know, um, in partnership with the local entities is are there ways that we can actually look at the underlying code to see if we can really kind of shift the incentives away from these large homes that aren't suitable for our workforce and put the incentives instead on smaller homes, more smaller homes so that our workforce can actually afford to rent or buy. They're working to allow more AUDs. Those are accessory dwelling units, mother-in-law quarters, on existing home sites and moving funding around. To George's point about how do we pay for it, one thing that North Lake Tahoe has done is we're- That's Emily again. Tourism Business Improvement District. And so that's an assessment that the businesses have um, petitioned to assess on themselves. And that gets passed on to uh, the customers. And that is expected to offset what the county currently pays the North Lake Tahoe Resort Association in their annual contract. So that's going to free up probably about $4 million a year for housing and transportation projects in North Lake Tahoe. So we're really um, excited to have a steady funding source that could help some of our programs. And they hope to reserve some homes in the area specifically for locals through incentive programs through the Workforce Housing Preservation Program, hoping to help more people in the area buy homes, we would pay a home buyer in exchange for deed restricting that property so it could only be occupied by local workers. They can sell it, they can rent it out, but the idea is that we are claiming some of our existing housing for local workers. So they can sell it or rent it, but it has to go to somebody else who is a local worker in the community going to be funded with public and private dollars. That's our vision there. So we're really trying to work on getting a, a variety of housing types so that we can have enough variety to meet the needs of all the different incomes in our area. We're also working on um, some other projects like Meadowview Place, which is out in Mardis Valley. The county also purchased 11 acres north of Tahoe City, and we're trying to build um, a mixture of housing types there. And Karen, are you frustrated with all of this or encouraged that at least there's some progress being made? Uh, no, I'm actually encouraged. I think it's kind of an exciting time. Um, some of these projects that we're seeing come forward, like that Sugar Pine Village project that was on Conservancy Asset Lands, that's in a town center. And part of the reason that um, you know, local entities are able to kind of put these lands forward for affordable housing is because they also really support our environmental goals, like getting people closer to town centers so they can walk and take transit. So it's exciting. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of support for workforce housing and kind of seeing a lot of pieces come together to really get that housing in places that helps our other environmental goals as well. So, I, I mean, it is really a challenging time, but it's also, I feel kind of like a time of increased awareness. And I think there's a lot of energy and people are really excited to work on housing. And um, yeah, I just see it as solving kind of multiple issues at once, not just housing, but also really getting at some of the sustainability goals. My thanks to everyone for taking part. Boy, it's a relief to see so many people working on all fronts to find ways to turn things around for the future. What's Up With That is a production of the ANA Media Group.
and it wouldn't be possible without the support of local vendors like Joe Stella Coffee in Midtown, Reno. Locally owned and operated, Joe Stella Coffee believes in quality. You see that when you walk in. You taste it when your order is up. And you can feel it by the way the owner and the staff treat each individual order. They care about their customers. They care about the community. So of course they believe in quality productions looking into important issues like this. So next time you need a cup of coffee, don't think corporate. Think local. Think quality. Think Joe Stella Coffee in Midtown Reno. I do. Here's something to think about. Let's be honest. Do we need another podcast? Do we need another voice of reason? Seriously, what's up with that? Well, I actually think that we do. There are so many sound bites on so many issues right now that just go unchallenged. There are far too many one-sided offerings, and there are far too few people putting anyone's feet to the fire. Ouch! (laughs) And with the challenges that we are all facing, I feel that our best chance at success will be seeing the big picture. Like all these changes to our environment, for whatever reason, will mean changes for every one of us. Whether it's moving to electric cars, or learning to live with forest fires year-round. And you know, there's local research going on on all of that that needs to be showcased, yet no local outlets seem to have the time. But that's just the tip of the melting iceberg. The local economy, our health care system, politics in general, and as you did this week when you interrupted our question. And I don't mean by party, but through the eye of making what we have in place work for us or making some changes. How to deal with the changing landscape of our schools. And what our options are these days when we die. Yeah, 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 I know, I have a lot of questions to ask. (laughs) I realize that I'm an old-school journalist, but the superficial blurbs in social media these days just doesn't cut it for me. I feel like we need to take some of these topics one at a time and really explore all the sides and all the possibilities. I don't intend to be partisan, political, or pedantic about this, just informational. I don't have or even know if I can find all the answers, but I am willing to ask the questions and find out what's up with that. What's up with that? What is up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? I'd love to look into issues that you want to know about, too. Get some answers and share them right here. You can leave me a voice memo with questions, concerns, and suggestions at 775-284-6333. And you can find this podcast at anamediagroup.com and on all your podcast outlets. So next time you think, what's up with that? Give me a shout.